Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of this, the 201st episode of the show. And thank you to everyone who has been supporting us directly through this process. You can join them and get access to our full-length ad-free show and our Patreon-exclusive weekly sister show, Extra Message, by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And now is a wonderful time to try that out because we have been doing a lot of stuff with patrons recently. Not least our live episode 200, which we recorded yesterday, Ian. Um, I think it went very, very well. We're going to talk it about it did, Nate. in a little bit more detail later on uh, in the extended version of this show. But safe to say it's out for everybody l- to listen to now and... Um, Thank you to everyone who who helped make that happen. But uh, we didn't want to uh, get uh, get away from the news for this week, which is why this main episode of the show is going out just a little bit after the special two hundredth episode. But we've got a few things we want to talk about. Shall we? Shall we begin that process about about now, Ian? What podcasting? You want yes. to start the podcast? Let's okay. go for it. Here we here it comes. Now, some major sporting events in Britain were just in time this year to escape the government-imposed ban on public contests, including February's UK wife-carrying race 2020 in oh, Dor- thank goodness in Dorking. I know it's great. Sadly, Kate and I were not able to attend this year. Something to do with moral objections. I don't know. Something <laughs> along those lines. It's a shame because um because your wife is quite carryable isn't she well i don't know how you know that but i can <laughs> i can confirm that she she it is able possible to lift her and i'm sure i could win an egg and spoon race with her i'm i would like to assure you i've never lifted your wife up I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if you had at some point, um, and it wouldn't bother me, uh, depending on the circumstances, but uh, good to know. Thank you. Well, there'll be no lifting of anyone by anyone for the foreseeable future, will there? No. Apart from people who are already living together. And, sadly, the Gloucestershire cheese rolling competition, which was was due to take place next month... Um, it was too late uh, and, and so has been postponed, along with its slightly higher profile horse-based version, the Aintree Grand National in Liverpool. However, unlike Britain's annual wife-carrying and cheese-rolling competitions, Ian, the Grand National is uh, a major televised event. And so this year, rather than commit TV scheduling uh, Equicide, uh, broadcaster ITV <laughs> screened oh, very good. a digital virtual race instead. This was uh, yesterday at the time of recording Sunday, so that was Saturday. I could have just said Saturday. You could have said the day we recorded our 200th episode. You know what? It was almost at exactly the same time. Or was it? That yeah. explains why I didn't see it then. 
Yeah. Because well, I was busy. Well, hooves to say. Uh, um, now, The Guardian explained in advance that, that using CGI, a field of 40 virtual horses and riders, I assume and riders, um, were to tackle the famous fences over four and a half virtual miles, cheered on by tens of thousands of virtual racegoers and followed, nice touch this, by a virtual ambulance which won't be a drain on NHS resources. You know, what with it not really existing and all, <laughs> and all that. Yeah, and I mean, I've got questions mostly about uh, were they expecting someone to virtually faint? Well, it's more that ro- jockeys do sometimes non-virtually fall off horses and, sure. and get um and get injured and that's why well, was that at- was there a possible first of all was there a possibility of that happening with the virtual race was yes. that was it in that much detail it yes. was and it and it happened yeah Oh, okay. It, 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 um, it did happen. There was at least one horse that that fell um, at, at, a, at a fence hurdle. But you know what, Ian? We'll come to that in a few moments. Mm-hmm. I just thought I'd um, I'd give us a quote here from the Racing Post, which is a publication we have never cited on this podcast before. So, uh, uh, two hundred and one episodes in, and we're still breaking new ground, much uh, like the virtual horses uh, under the weight of their hooves yesterday. Um, the Racing Post said. Quote, the simulation itself is made up of mathematical algorithms using data taken from horses' previous performances. The race's outcome would use a number of factors such as age, weight, form and weather conditions, but also contains details such as fallers, unseated riders and collapsed fences. Data on all the 40 runners from this year's race have been added and the computer has generated odds. Uh, and there, were, there have been three previous virtual Grand Nationals that weren't televised. Uh, and they have been, according to the Racing Post, strikingly accurate. So there is a lot of realism to this. It's not just people playing a game. It's mathematically modelled. It's been created digitally, and it's being broadcast as if it was the real race. And um, The Guardian actually even went as far as hosting its usual event live blog for the virgu- virtual competition. Um, and there was commentary being done by the actual commentators who would have been doing the show um, live via zoom i i'm saying zoom i'm using it as a a, you know colloquialism for any conferencing software but either way they were doing it virtually um would you like to i've got a clip here ian would you like to would you like to have a a clip a quick listen to um some live commentary just yes not too much though i don't want to get sued manifesto with a white cap is next then lottery followed by less cargo mr frisk beginning to weaken two out don't push it pitch slightly on landing hitch hunter is a faller he's crashed out he still had every chance at the time don't push it in so so some live commentary there and i was particularly i particularly enjoyed the sound effects and i know obviously people can't see this but you can go to itv.com i think there's replays i imagine there's some clips on youtube um i did i did watch this in order to uh, on uh, on catch up just to find out what what it looked like and it did look like a lot of fun one of the hosts did describe it as being a bit of fun and it wasn't to be taken super seriously but i did feel like this was essentially it's esports you know, well, I think you're right. You know, but uh, but not being played live, and in fact, the event was pre-recorded, and so there were people familiar with the outcome who were sworn to secrecy, which meant that betting uh, was still possible to be done at the bookies. But um, some bookmakers earlier this week did announce that any profits generated from that uh, are going to be donated to NHS charities. So it's all in good spirits. It's all in good fun. But I do think that 
when we see the numbers of people that tuned in for something like this, maybe this could be the catalyst for more virtual sports hitting mainstream TV. Maybe. What do you reckon? Well, I don't see any reason that we couldn't see more mainstream uh, esports on on TV. Um, I would personally rather watch um, talented people playing a game uh, than I than watch virtual horses run around a, a track. For me, that holds very little interest. Um, I, I'm not interested in actual horses running around a track, let alone made up ones. Um, but where, whereas uh, with gaming, you know, these these people are remarkable to watch um i I mean i have i have only really dabbled in esports and i'll be completely honest with you it requires it would require that people were it it, the the games were explained to people in far better detail than they usually are um i i find it quite difficult to keep up because these things move at such a breakneck pace in esports that actually it doesn't really bear a huge relationship to the kind of gaming that i'm used to it is so um unbelievably rapid um, and the, and the the techniques used by players are so radically different to those that normal people use that it doesn't immediately just because you've played a, a video game doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the same thing out of watching other people do it. You've raised a really interesting point that I hadn't considered about this, which is that it's fairly easy to understand how uh, a horse race works. There are some horses. Yeah. The one that is fastest is the winner. That's basically all you need to know. Whereas when you watch a live stream of an esport like um, Dota or... Yeah, well, Dota being a particularly good example because I believe that's one of the ones I have seen some of. Well, should we listen to a quick clip of what commentary Ooh. for one of those games sounds like? Let's. Yeah, there's this dual lane up against a solo lane. Funzy is having an okay time with this. He is out-leveling the CK, obviously. He has got seven last hits. CK still having a little bit more, but only a little bit. And once a gank actually is successful, that will be a big difference. Goblex still doesn't pick up the satire, though. Uh, or at least uh, the harpy, rather. He picks we'll up include a link to that full broadcast in the show notes. So um, do click through the link and, and, and check out um, those guys if you want to hear a little bit more. But yeah, there's a huge difference. I have absolutely no idea, really, what I just heard, not being a Dota player. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, if, but that... if somebody says the name of a horse and says, that horse is in front, I know that that, that horse... Is running faster. Is running faster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. And I, mean, I think there's a, I think there's a wealth of opportunity for esports. I mean, I, I think esports is a bit of a misnomer because I don't think there's a, lot, a huge amount of sporting achievement in these things. Um, but I think, from an entertainment point of view, they're absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I would be very interested to see. I mean, obviously, I am familiar with Destiny Two because it's what I play. So I would be very interested to see high-level players competing in that uh, uh, in in things that I'm familiar with. But I also accept that that wouldn't be accessible to literally everyone. Well, you and I are going to have to have an argument at some point about whether esports, uh, professional competitive esports, qualifies as a sporting achievement, which is, I think, what you just said, because it very much does. I I don't want to take away from the achievement of it because I don't think that it 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 is it is without enormous skill. But I'm also wary of calling it a sport because it isn't really a sport. It's an activity. Um, I don't think golf is a sport either. Uh, this is a debate we could probably we could probably <laughs> have at, uh, on another day. But all, all I'll say is that consider things like training, routine, discipline, cortisol levels, and physical and mental endurance. Uh, I I'm think... absolutely fine if they want to carry on calling it a sport. I'm not going to get angry about it. It doesn't bother me. I just Aww. it isn't a sport. 
Oh, go on. Get a bit cross. <laughs> get a bit angry. No, I don't care. All right. You know, it's fine. Uh, th- these things have to have catchy names, and eSports is one way of describing it. Seems perfectly reasonable. E-gaming doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? And no one's going to watch that. No, I suppose not. But then, I don't know, people will watch anything, won't they? People listen to... What do they listen to? Who knows? Stuff. Um, <laughs> they, they listen to this. Um, well, yeah, they do, they do, they do. So the company behind uh, the virtual horse race was uh, a firm called Inspired Gaming. They are a Mancunian or Manchester-based uh, company. And it's something that, that the firm's done for a few years. It's done it for a range of sports. One of the ones I looked up on its website, uh, it was NFL branded, so Amer- American football. It does a bunch of other ones as well. It does greyhound racing, which I'm far more in favor of than actual grey- greyhound racing. Because yes. it doesn't result in wasted dogs or um, unhappy dogs or indeed any well, cruelty. My understanding of greyhound racing is that it's not a pleasant activity and probably shouldn't be a thing unless there was someone looking after the well-being of the animals, which I suspect it there isn't at the moment. Mm. Well, if you have watched the virtual horse race, we'd love to hear what you thought of it. We were too busy recording a live 200th episode to do so in real time, but maybe you did and maybe you had some experiences. You can share to hello at uktechshow.com. Podcast listening habits are changing in the UK and indeed the world over as a result of the current pandemic. Now, I've been looking into a range of sources for some good data and initially found a helpful write-up from PodTrack, which measures data from, it says, over a billion podcast downloads a month. It said a few days ago that weekly podcast downloads and audiences are trending downwards since March 9th, and that's in, that's in the US, while overall growth in downloads and audiences were still positive for the year to date um, versus last year. But what about the UK and the wider world? That is sort of our focus on this show. Uh, distributor Acast also has data, although I should say, I think, for full disclosure, Acast is the distributor and publisher of Text Message. But I'm just referring to a public blog it posted this week because it had some interesting data, and that's the only reason we're, we're mentioning it. Um, Acast wrote that contrary to what PodTrack um, reported, or that's my interpretation that it is contrary, um, uh, it's seen stronger than usual growth in listens across its network. And more interestingly to me, I, I think, it said consume, consumption has moved from spikes in the morning, which is usually on people's journeys to work uh, and evening as they wind down or, or journey home, and instead to just sustained periods of listening throughout the day. And it broke Europe out specifically and said that last week listening uh, had grown for comedy and science and medicine categories, 21.5% and 14.5% respectively, in March compared to February. Uh, So ACAS concluded that people are clearly wanting to have a good laugh in challenging times, but are also seeking out greater amounts of scientifically robust information. Oh, well, that's good. Especially given what we're going to talk about later. Um, Yes. So uh, can I ask a question about PodTrack? Uh, yes. If PodTrack isn't a host in the same way Acast is, is it? Uh, podcast is, uh, PodTrack isn't a host. It it tracks data. So um, unless ch- it's changed since I last used it, 
the the file is hosted on a server and then that link is essentially fed into PodTrack right. and the URL used to acquire the original URL sort of goes via PodTrack. So yeah. PodTrack is like a middleman and can and can see where that person is and, and track the download that way. Yes, whereas so they Acast should have, hosts the, the, the audio files. They should have good data, but Acast will probably have a little bit more information on... Um, I don't know. What, would they would they have better data? I'm, I honestly, I'm wondering. I have. I'm privy to nothing. I've honestly got no idea. I, I literally yeah. only know basically what we've read out. So I don't know. But, but what it looks like is at least right now um, that perhaps in the US, slightly fewer people are listening to podcasts as a result of working from home, and maybe there are some macro trends at play in the US, perhaps to do with the value put on radio or something else. And perhaps this is something um, our, our, our pod brother, Tom Merritt, will uh, will be able to address at some point. But maybe there are other things there. Whereas in Europe, it, turns, it looks like people are actually listening to more podcasts, but they are listening to a greater amount of specific categories of podcasts and they're listening throughout the day. I did see uh, good numbers globally that, that, that suggested people are using devices like the Google HomePod, the Amazon Echo and Google uh, and um, and uh, I don't want to say an Apple's assistant as well <laughs> to listen to things, which which comes as no surprise if everyone's working from home. You you would anticipate smart devices being used more for podcasting, right? But it but it does seem that there is a difference right now between European podcast consumption and, and US podcast consumption, and it'd yeah. be really interesting to get another month's worth of data returned to this and see if we can draw some comparisons and conclusions as to why maybe some of those figures were different. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes perfect sense that people won't be listening to podcasts on their commute if they don't have one anymore. Um, they might be some of that daytime listening might be from people going out for their walk or to get exercise, uh, which they wouldn't usually do do during the day. Um, and then obviously some people will have jobs where they're probably able to listen to podcasts during the day. I, I, I personally can't. I, I can't concentrate on work and have a, a voice podcast on. I could just about do me. We've talked about this before. I can just about do music. But so my podcast listening has definitely taken a fall. But that's not a bad thing in a way. I'll be once I'm commuting again, I'll be eating back into that back catalogue and uh, picking up more of the shows that I love, but just a bit later. Yeah. Well, we, we always ask everyone to send us an email about a topic that we, we, we touch on, and, and we always welcome emails on anything. But on this occasion, I'm actually asking um, for you to, to write in and, and, and tell us how your podcasting has been affected, uh, your podcast listening has been affected, particularly uh, interesting if you can tell us the country that you're in and maybe why your podcast listening has gone up or gone down. If you've got any insight or comments, it'd really, really be valuable, I think, for us to hear that and um, and we can maybe dissect it on next week's show. You can send that to hello at uktechshow.com if you haven't got time to write it down now. Maybe set a little reminder um, and and send us an email later with, uh, with, with what you can. I'd really, really love to hear that um and maybe we can shed a bit more light on this over the next couple of weeks
I wanted to briefly touch on something that made me facepalm so hard this week that I narrowly avoided going to hospital as a result of my hand going <laughs> through my face, past my brain and exiting through the rear of my skull like some sort of fleshy arm-shaped human bullet. Um, here's why. Mobile phone mast fires are being investigated amidst conspiracy theories claiming a link between 5G and coronavirus, the BBC wrote. It said there have been fires at masts in Birmingham, Liverpool and in Merseyside and a video allegedly of um, the blaze in Aigberth, which is in Liverpool as well, uh, was shared on YouTube and Facebook claiming a link between the mobile technology and COVID-19. Cabinet officer, uh, sorry, Cabinet Office Minister Michael Gove said it was dangerous nonsense, according to to the BBC. And the Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport said on Twitter that quote, "There is absolutely no credible evidence of a link." So I was curious because my instinct was to find all the people that have uh, done this and yell at them in person at personal expense to try and, um, you know, fix Britain, <laughs> hashtag broken Britain. Um, so I went to the UK's independent fact checking charity, Full Fact, to find out where this BS originated. The company had concluded, uh, sorry, conducted research into a claim that, quote, 5G networks could be responsible for the rapid spread of the new coronavirus. Along with an exhaustive list of scientific reasoning uh, that will come as no surprise to anyone listening to this show, it published a conclusion that, quote, this is not true. There is no evidence that 5G networks are linked to the new coronavirus. So for everyone listening, it's a no waste Sherlock situation. Um, but I think it's worth being mindful that there are people out there who, I mean, firstly, think 5G poses a significant health risk, which I'm very much in favor of science being done to determine that. But I'm also adamant that absolutely zero evidence has been presented by anyone to suggest that there is any significant risk at all and we've talked about that on the show before however suggestion that a wireless technology is somehow responsible for a virus spreading it's either somebody confused the fact that a computer virus is a thing that <laughs> can technically pass over 5G and spread this far and wide. No, this or, is, that's not where that has come from. It, it just isn't, is it? It no. isn't. And I've seen this written about in, in uh, slightly less reputable publications than I would ordinarily read, but ones that nonetheless have extremely high circulation. And it's dangerous BS to be peddling. So... Let's please try and nip this in the bud if we can. Mm. Yeah, I agree, and I've seen some. I've seen some shocking things now. Obviously, with the with the current situation as it is, with a virus spreading across the, the world, it's important. Social media, I think, has played an important part. I, I feel like it's given people who you know who would normally watch the news or whatever, but might dismiss things. I feel as if social media has backed up for the most part the the requirements you know the, the 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 need for us to stay at home and not to interact with people where possible so there's some good good things that have come out of social media however since this outbreak started 
there has been all manner of absolute nonsense spreading on social media. And I believe, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it starts as a sort of, as a gag, honestly. I think it's, um, I it, I would, I would blame places like online message boards. I mean, we, we all know the ones I'm talking about. Um, it, it's, it is very easy for them to whip up a quick JPEG with some stupid connections between one thing and another uh, and to claim that there's a link. For example, the other day, I saw uh, a quote from um, Bill Gates. Now, the quote itself, I believe, is is probably real, and there's nothing in it that would worry me. Uh, it, it essentially talks about the 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 birth rate being very high and the you know the the population of the world escalating. Uh, and he and in the the quote, he talks about how um, you know if we if we get better antivirus technologies and stuff like that we could have an impact on the birth rate. Now, I understand that there is a very obvious reason that you would say something like that and that is uh birth rates are generally linked to uh infant mortality so where there's a you know where there's high death rates in children those populations tend to have more children to make up for it where there are good medicines and children broadly survive to adulthood uh there is a smaller uh you know people have fewer children so what he's saying there is essentially that he says if we can uh, we can bring down the population of the world by having better vi- virology you know making sure that people can get better from things therefore people won't feel the need to have so many children and the population will slow and that will be more manageable but of course that has been like i've seen that tweeted as bill gates wants the virus to wipe out half the population or whatever you know i mean it's it's i don't know whether it's um, a lack of critical thinking or whether these people are just happy to reshare stupidity because they don't understand what's being said and they don't have any desire to look into it. Um, but it's just one example of this kind of thing. And of course, you know, how people would arrive at 5G, 5G was already a scapegoat before coronavirus. So uh, the people who were trying to discredit 5G or to, to uh, and perhaps in some cases for genuine reasons, like some people probably are genuinely scared that 5G is dangerous to them because they don't understand the science so those people are going to jump on literally anything they can to boost their message and to try and get people to you know hate on 5g so i can sort of see that you know this might have started as a silly joke has escalated and now somehow people are setting fire to things which is just remarkable i mean that and this that is very worrying because these things are common on the internet like we've we've lived with it for a a good you know three decades now and we know what the internet's like um but taking that from the virtual world to the real world is a, is a concern i i 100 agree with everything you just said i'm not even going to repeat any of it um i think i think that was a, a concise explanation um the one point i'll just amplify is that is the one of fear and you're right that a lot of um uh misinformation is being spread as a result of fear and people latching onto um, things they believe, you know, they think supports a fear or a concern. But I think it's it's the there is a it behooves all of us to to spot these things and try and tone down the reactions um, yes. and 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 and, uh, and help people understand because where there is understanding, there is often less fear. And there is a valid point that, that that social networks do one thing that's quite dangerous in all of this. Um, they tend to amplify 
tra- uh, you know, conversations where there's a lot of interaction. So what people would obviously do when they see something like this is they would reply to it saying, you're stupid, this is stupid, there's no evidence of this, you're being ridiculous. Unfortunately, that tends to have the opposite effect on, and particularly Twitter, uh, those those that will give a, a boost to those topics and people more people will see them than would otherwise have done um and you know retweeting things it it it's not necessarily a bad thing but it does bring that lunacy to a wider audience and that has a, a, a you know an ongoing effect and it causes problems so i don't know we can't it feels like we're not going to persuade people to be more responsible online but i think the social media companies need to be aware of quite what exactly is is going on here and and their part in it you're used to hearing the smooth velvet sound of nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an ian morris opinion Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. Well, text message keeps you informed about the British tech landscape, but we, well, you know what? I'm reading this off my script. Tom joined us on episode 200 and he sent us a promo slightly ahead of time as we normally would have his promo in the weekend. We didn't play it on the 200 episode show, but you know what? We're going to play it now. So here is what happened last week on Daily Tech News Show. Hey, happy 200 this week on Daily Tech News Show. From fuel cell makers repairing ventilators to new tech for cleaner door handles, what tech companies are doing to help fight the virus. Microsoft's new consumer-friendly features turn Office 365 into Microsoft 365 for everybody. So many stories about what's wrong with Zoom and one story about what Zoom plans to do about it. And will the data cap reprieve in the United States outlast the lockdown? Plus hot new laptops with hot new Intel 10th Gen and new NVIDIA chips. All that and more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Tom Merritt there. All of that stuff still highly relevant, particularly the Zoom stuff. Yes, um, I was going to say actually about that. It'll be interesting to see how Zoom comes out of this as a company. I mean, it wasn't a, a, a widely known product before, and it's not aimed at people really. It's aimed at business use, isn't it? So, well, it, it was. Be, well, it was. But it'll be fascinating to see if this is uh, the next breakout company that will uh, be big as a result of uh, this situation. Well, you can let us know any thoughts you have on anything we've talked about this week or that you'd like to hear us talk about in future weeks. Hello at UKTechShow.com. Thank you so much to our patrons who have supported us for so many, uh, well, years now. It's a really great time, I feel, for for people to jump in and get involved in, in Patreon, getting into our Discord, which is our live chat room. We're all chatting to each other through the week on text, sharing gifts. Ian's in there. Tom's in there, Marta's in there, Andy, uh, all the regulars that you hear on the show. We're all in there. We all chat and we record the show live every weekend as well. And that's open for people to jump in and listen to every single week. Um, And you get extra message as well, which goes out in the middle of the week, which is a shorter show that's uh, just for patrons at at certain levels. And uh, and that gets very, very good feedback as well. And we've done 31 episodes of extra message. 
as well. Um, so all of that is out now, patreon.com forward slash UK tech. It really helps us uh, pay the bills that are associated with the podcast, which is basically what we like, isn't it, Ian? We like oh, yes. covering it's, our bases. It's very helpful. Okay, well, Ian, um, it's been lovely being in your presence. You, um, It's a shame I can't smell you today because I'm sure you smell... Well, actually, you probably smell awful, don't you? No, I've just don't. had a shower, mate. I'm, I'm fresh as a daisy. I just had a shower as well. Yeah, pre-show shower. It's the thing. Yeah. Well, maybe when we're... I know, I'm never going to shower with you. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs>